back to another episode of Talking Titles. Today, Jay hosts and the guys discuss where we think free agent quarterbacks will land in the offseason, the MLB rule changes, Jay's picks, and as always, our garbage and gold. As always, thanks for listening this week, and we hope to see you next week. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Titles. I'm Jason. And I'm Noah. And we have a lot of different topics to cover this week. It's not just going to be mainly one sport. We're going all over the place. But how are you doing, my friend? Dude, I'm doing well. Sports are sports are alive and well. How you doing, bud? And, you know, Sixers are always up and down for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that that's where we'll start here, I guess. Uh, we'll start with our uh, Sixers Celtics debrief. And uh, go ahead and get your uh, moment of... Uh, Moving a moment of time here. <laughs> well, uh, Celtics Celtics won a big game tonight. They played the Cavs. Uh, they play the Cavs again on Monday in Cleveland. Today was uh, in Boston, uh, but it's a it's a really really big win just because the uh, the Cavs are right there at the top of the East. It's not uh, it's not a cakewalk to beat the Cavs anymore, even without LeBron. They're fourth in the East, right behind the Sixers. Um, they're only six and a half games back now. Obviously, I don't think they're gonna go crazy um, to, uh, to 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 get that top spot. But the the Cavs are a really good, really young team. Um, I was expecting it to be a tough fight. I was expecting it to be close, and it was. The final score was one seventeen, one thirteen. Um, I I really, I really, I have stressed this before, but I really love. Um, that uh, our coach Missoula is playing players that no one that like he's playing the bench. And I feel like for years, the Celtics issue has been, we're going to play our starting five, maybe a six man, maybe a seventh man if we're lucky, but the bench is just going to watch these guys play. And I really like that. He's involving guys like Muscala, who we picked up and Hauser who only had six points, but played really good defensive possessions. Um, and then obviously getting production from your big people uh, today. Tatum had 41 11 and 8. Like that those are big numbers. Those are really good numbers against a really good team. Smart had 14. Brown only had 16, but he's still dealing with his facial fracture, so I don't think he's he's still at 100%. Um and then Robert Williams uh when he plays, he is an integral part of this lineup. Right now, uh for this game, he had a double-double with 11 and 12 respectively. And that's just that's great. Uh, I, Robert Williams needs to be that double double guy to get the the, the boards uh, that maybe Horford or Tatum aren't getting. Um, and then Derek White, uh, this game he had a very uh, small stat line, you know, four points, five assists, two rebounds. But he is the guy that is such a cornerstone, much like Marcus Smart, where your stats might not be crazy, but you are integral to the defensive side of things where your stats might not be showing, but you're still showing up every game. And I, I just like I just like the way the Celtics are handling games. They're playing really good against teams that matter, and, and they're still trying even against teams that you should easily beat. Um, they're 45-18. and 18, Um Playing really well, so I'm I'm proud of I'm proud of the way the Celtics are playing right now. I'm I'm hopeful. <clears throat> yeah, kind of like the exact opposite of me, huh? <laughs> um, 
and I, I'll get into my uh, little bit of my Sixers debrief of tonight. Then, um, we've struggled the past few games. We're not even struggled. We played actually really. I mean, two great games against uh, the Celtics, which we'll get into that debrief after this. Um, and then uh, the Miami Heat uh, last night or the Monday, and then tonight. We knew it. Embiid was eventually going to have to take his nights off. We knew that eventually would happen because we have a back-to-back anyway. We have a game tomorrow against the Mavericks. So right. Fun. But tonight, we go into this game and we go down to South Beach with no Joel Embiid and we handily beat these boys by 20. I mean, it was I don't know if it was exactly 20, but... Oh, sorry. 23. Um... So had to add the extra three points, huh? <laughs> just, it's 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 hard to understand this team sometimes. We uh we put uh Maxi into the starting lineup again tonight, and he ended up going for ten for seventeen with twenty seven points tonight. Um, James Harden he went for twenty three points tonight. Uh, backup big man Paul Reed went uh for sixteen and fourteen uh fourteen boards. Whoa, so that was pretty big. all right. Um. Tobias Harris, the guy that loves the no-show in huge games, eighteen tonight. Shake Milton, twelve. You know, it was it was a uh, it was all around like a good performance by everybody. Um, but you know, going into that game though, I'm thinking like we're probably gonna lose this game, or like, maybe we'll keep it close for a little bit. But we go and beat this team, and then we lose to them just two days ago with a full healthy team. The Sixers are frustrating. They've been frustrating the past few years. It is what it is. I'm just going to try to keep my head high and hope for the best with this team. So I never know with this team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I watched, I watched the first half of that game. Um, and uh, it was kind of back and forth in the first half. And then the second half, the Sixers kind of took over. Um, but the, the, the thing that impresses me is when Embiid's not on the court, you guys seem really good, and then when B, when Embiid's on the court, he's amazing. But the rest of the team can't do anything, and so it's very it's a very strange situation. It's frustrating because it feels like the game when he's on the court, of course, is going to go through one of the best players in the league, obviously. Um, but when he's not on the court, it, it's the, the the team doesn't slow down and wait for him as much. It's like. It's like fast pace, always trying to get the ball down the court. Maxie's flying down the court. Maxie has great games without Embiid. Um, so, so, so the so the my question is obviously Embiid is your guy, but my question would be, uh, do you think do you think there's any part of you that's like, man, we're a better team without Embiid? Nah, I can't think like that. Okay. I can't think like that. <laughs> even though, even though it does like show like where when we move the ball fast and we're going up and down the court fast, like we can be a better team. Like in the sense of being a transition, like being faster in transition, but yeah, no, but like that's like saying, are you are you guys better without? Uh, that'd be like if Jason Tatum just per se was in the same situation. Would you say your team's better without Jason Tatum? You know, it's yeah, tough. yeah, but yeah, for your star and not to back them up. So, I yeah, can say that. <laughs> I, I hear that. I just had to ask because sometimes I see that and I'm like, huh, they're doing better without Embiid because a lot of the games I think they'll lose, they win without Embiid. And then a lot of the games they should win, they lose with Embiid. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I think I brought it up already, but going back to the next game, when they had all their players, they had Ben, 
Kyrie and Durant on the floor, and we didn't have Embiid or Harden on the floor, and we won. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's just a weird, it's a weird thing. But before we get off, like, of just our teams and we go to our matchup, I, I like, is there anybody on your team that's like stood out to you this year? Man, yeah. Um, I I want to give I want to give two players specifically a shout out. Uh, one is Sam Hauser. This dude has bounced around from the G League to the NBA and back to the G League and then to the NBA. And man, I could not be more impressed with this this guy. He is a sniper from three, first of all. And second of all, he plays really good defense. Tonight, I watched a play where he took Darius Garland. Darius Garland, if you don't know, is extremely shifty. He's a really good young guard, and I think he's he's got a lot of promise upcoming. Um, and he uh, went. He took Sam Hauser to the paint, did a little shake and a little bake, and Hauser was still there. Didn't shift at all, just kind of moved with him and stayed straight up. And I just I just wanted to point out how wonderful Sam Hauser's been on both ends of the floor. He doesn't get the playing time as some of the other players, i.e., you know, Graham Williams or, you know, Robert Williams or Brogdon or White or any of these guys. But when he does play, he plays to his fullest potential. And that's what you need when you're trying to compete for a chip. You look at the Warriors, the reason they're so successful, obviously you've got Clay, Draymond, Steph, but they're successful because their bench wants to play better than Steph. They want to play better than Clay. They want to be those guys that's like, ah, yeah, Steph, you better play well because you're old and I'm taking your job, i.e. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, obviously, there's a there's a, a brotherhood there. But Jordan Poole is like, I'm the young gun. I'm going to show you why you're old and you got to step up your next level. Like that's those are those are what are good for a team when your bench is playing better or on the same level as your starters, you're in a good position. And so Sam Hauser is, is just a great, a great uh, cue for that. Um, and then the second guy I want to highlight uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon is game in game out consistent. He's not going to get you 40 a game. He's not going to get you 30. Every once in a while, he'll get you 20. But what he does get you is consistency. He's consistently defensively sound. He's consistently getting you buckets. And he's a sneaky rebounder. Um, for instance, against the Sixers, he had seven boards. And and Brogdon is not a he's not a forward, you know he's a, he's like you know he's a he's a shooting guard. So for him to get for him to get the, those boards and, and do this do the stat lines um, that necessarily aren't looked at is is fantastic. And I'm I'm really a big fan, especially in basketball. You know, football football and baseball is a little bit different. It's kind of like if you're a starter, you're the starter. There's no there's not really a next man up mentality unless there's an injury, but then you've got a week to prepare. But basketball is a very much so reliant on the next man up because, you know, stars don't play every week. People get injured. There's there's minutes you got to move around. So I really, I really am a fan when people step up um, and then they don't even have to have big games. I mean, to, just to, to, to produce at any at any level when you're called upon is great. So those those two guys get the nod from me. What about you? Before I even get into it, I'm watching this Portland and New Orleans game. Mm-hmm. And Matisse Thibel's just doing Matisse Thibel things. <laughs> I miss Matisse. He, he, he made the first bug of the game, then he blocks somebody from behind and runs the court and gets a dunk. Like, ugh. 
I originally was happy about that. I mean, I wasn't happy about it, but uh, you were at peace it, it with fits that with train. him too because he went to Washington uh, College. So I mean, being in Portland, you're right around the corner. Right. But if I had to give somebody on my team uh, like a nod of improvement that I've been maybe shocked of, um, it's the Anthony Melton. Okay. Yeah. Um, he is like third in the league in steals. Um, he was injected into his starting role, uh, because Max, Max even went out to coach, to coach and said, Hey, I'll, uh, I'll come off the bench if I'm needed, come off the bench. which I think Max, he's a, a much better spark off the bench, but sure. getting back to DeAnthony mountain, he's like third in the league in steals. He is a viable three point shooter. I think he's shooting up to like 38, 39%. That's pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, and but but he's he's always guard. Like if there's a guard, like if long as he's not like six, as long as he's not like KD or something, he's guarding their best player on the court. Like as long as it's not like a super tall guy, he's going to be guarding their best player along with PJ. But the other Melton would be my guy because he's scrappy and he's young too. Like that trade was so good for us. I, I can't believe it actually happened and how good it's worked out because we traded Danny Green, who was hurt at the time. Right. Just, oh, there you go. Matisse just made a three-pointer. But, um, <laughs> oh, man, watching Matisse is so sad. But DeAnthony Melton, love the dude. He's young, too. He's, like, 25. We're going to have – we have, like, we have another uh, year or two of control over him before paying him. I really love that trade, and I love, I love what he's brought to the team this year. And I also want to just give a shout-out because I've shit on him before, P.J. Tucker. Yeah. He brings that intensity like that a team needs on the defensive side of the court and the vet, you know what I mean? Like the veteran leadership. For sure. And he's not always the best three-point shooter. If he gets me one or two a game, I'm cheering. You know what I mean? I'm happy just for one. That's yeah. But the, the defensive uh, prowess he brings, the energy, he's such an energy guy. For an old guy, he goes for offensive rebounds every time. Like he might not be the most skilled, but he's energy as heck. Right. Shout out him. I mean, we paid him a little bit too much, but whatever. Um, now let's get back to our marquee matchup that uh, that just happened in the past few days. Uh, Sixers and Celtics. We had a great game. Go down to the wire and and ended up with the Celtics W. And I, w- I would like to hear what your thoughts on that game were. Man, first off, I just like to say I really hope that that turns out to be the conference finals. That would be the coolest uh, matchup, I think, in a long time. Uh, Because first off, uh, with the exception of Jay and I, Celtics and Sixers fans hate each other. Like we're we're not friendly. And and if you look at if you look at the DMs between Jay and I, you probably wouldn't think we have a podcast together because we get down and dirty too. But but we we are not we are not friends. And I think it is it is one of the the um, last remaining um, big rivalries in the NBA. There, there's a few there's a few of note, obviously. Um, the Cavs and the Warriors were pretty, were pretty big, uh, the, for the last few years. Um, I'd go, you know, uh, the Suns and Suns and Nuggets or Nuggets and Blazers, 
Lakers and Clippers. Same Lakers and lineup. Clippers, Warriors and Grizzlies. Like, there's been a couple. Warriors and Grizzlies is a fun one. It's a fun one. Um, but I think I think for the sake of history and for the sake yeah. of like vintage rivalries, one of the ones that holds up and one of the last remaining ones that holds up is is Celtics Sixers. Um, obviously, the Lakers hate the Celtics always, but the Lakers and the Celtics are not always good at the same time. But I just I the first takeaway I have is man, this was a fun game, and I would love this to be a seven game series. So if that's possible, bring it on. I'm excited. The second thing. Um, of note for me is that Tatum did not have a good game. Um, he finished with a double double. Uh, he had 18 points, 13 rebounds, and six assists. So, like, solid, well rounded game. But for me, the takeaway is that the Celtics um, rely on their other guys Jalen uh, Brown, 26, Marcus Smart, 10, Derek White, 18. And Al Horford, ah, I don't say his name. I hate him. Fifteen <laughs> points, and most of that coming in the fourth quarter. Um, the biggest takeaway for me is that Jason Tatum is setting himself apart, not as an all-star, but as a superstar. Because what does a superstar do? They get their teammates involved, whether they are scoring or not. Jason Tatum, I don't have the percentages in front of me, but he had a terrible shooting game. Um, yeah, he went seven for seventeen. Seven for seventeen. All right, and 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 I will say uh, that's not that's not uh, really a good show of the entire game because seven for seventeen is not the worst percentage you could have. But but before the fourth quarter, his percentage is pretty pretty bad. He's not shooting that well. The fourth quarter is where Tatum really took the bucket. But I, I was just really impressed with the amount of times he set up his teammates for success. And that is the marker of a, a superstar. Lebr- you look at LeBron, you look at Jokic, you look at Embiid. These guys are getting other guys involved. And and that's and that was just a highlight for me. Yeah, before I get into this, if if you're if you're done there, yeah, I, I'm done. That was my my before we talk about the end of the game. That was yeah, my just game yeah, overall. You know, um, yeah, yeah. But even before before I even get to the sexer side of things, um, God, I hate Al Horford. God, I hate Al Horford. Like, I, 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 I was texting you that night, and I, I don't know. I think I texted you. I said I I hate your role players so much, and I, I, and I actually it. respect Brown and Tatum. Yeah. Do I? I mean, do I like them because they kill us? Of course not. But. I respect them, but I like, I vehemently hate Al Horford because of known <laughs> reasons. I'm yeah. a Sixers fan, but yeah. Mark is smart. Like, he is like, I've said it. I think I've, I've told you it, but I'll, I'll bring it to the podcast. He is the wish. Uh, he is he is like the better Pat Beverly. Like Pat Beverly is the wish version of Marcus Smart. Like, <laughs> you hate this guy if he is not on your team. You hate this guy. Like he is just a pest. He's annoying. He complains a lot, and he's in your face a lot. He flops a lot. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? But you need those type of gritty guys. and like, ugh. I'd like him if he was on my team. But them too. Al Horford, obviously, like I said, explained reasons. But Marcus Smart is just a pest. And you, you need him on a, a, a championship-winning team anyway. You need a player like that of that caliber. Yeah. But let's get back to the Sixers talk here. Um. Nobody helped Embiid. I mean, Embiid had 41 points. Yeah. 41, 12, and 5. 
What are you supposed to do with that? You're supposed to win games when Embiid drops 40. Not right. James Harden unefficiently going five for 16 with 21. Right. Not Tyrese Maxey, four for 10, eight points in 25 minutes. You can't do that. I, I don't know what his percentage was, but I will say Tobias okay. Harris actually scored that game. Yeah, Tobias actually looked good. That's why was my next one. Tobias actually surprising was our was our best non NB player. He went eight for twelve for nineteen. Three and for Tucker and Tucker was out there with sixteen boards. Yeah, no, like that's why that's why I had to give him the shout out earlier because he's such an energy guy. Right. Um, but going through that game, like it just felt like I, I think we let me look at the scoring breakdowns here. It was pretty. It was pretty tightly knotted the whole game. Um. Until you went into the the going into the fourth and you guys got ahead by like four, but um, George Niang played like garbage. He yep. literally like he was like a forty percent shooter for a lot of the year, and now it looks like he can't even hit the backside of a barn. I mean, if you look if you look at the uh, if you look at the stats, um, the Celtics played nine players, the Sixers played ten, and only one of the Celtics players didn't score. There you go. There you go. Um. And we had you wanted to uh, uh, we had one, two. You had three guys didn't score. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm reading off of this slowest thing, but yeah, <laughs> three guys that didn't score that played any type of minutes. Yeah. And 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 Paul Reed, I, I, I that's why last week I made my garbage. Now getting the serviceable backup big because Paul Reed and Montrez Harrell, who doesn't even see the floor anymore, it seems like, are not backup bigs. Um, it was a frustrating loss, but uh, you know we get to the fourth quarter and we get a fantastic finish that I couldn't even be mad at. No, no. Uh, for me, I was I was watching it. So so I'm uh, I. <laughs> When I'm watching football or I'm watching baseball, those are my two favorite sports. I really love basketball. Out of the sports playing, I love playing basketball. But like, I, I am I I would deem myself more casual of a basketball fan in that when I watch a game, if there isn't a player I outright hate that I'm playing. I'm very like laissez faire unless the game is a need to win game. So when I'm watching games in basketball from a Celtics perspective, obviously I want them to win, but I'm much more, uh, let's just watch for a good game. I'm excited to see what the players do on both teams. Do I want the other team to win? Heck no. But like, when I'm watching the Yankees, I'm like, the Yankees better win every game or I'm going to be pissed. When I'm watching the Giants, I'm like, the Giants better win every game. And, and, I think it's it's just because those when I was growing up, that's more what I watched. And then I started watching basketball later in my life. But like I I I really like when I watch marquee games like the Celtics Sixers, I'm watching because I love seeing Embiid play. Do I hate the guy? Heck yeah. Embiid sucks. But like but when he wants to be. But is he a generational talent? <clears throat> Heck yeah. And I like watching that. So I always root for a close game when I'm playing teams uh, that I love watching because it's just better for the game. It's better for the sport. And and we got that in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, we, we got into the fourth quarter of that game. And let me just tell you, when we got eventually back tied up with y'all, 
and you guys like had that shot with like what, like five seconds ago? Yep. It was a tie game. I was literally sitting, sitting uh, on the mic with my brother, and and we were literally like sitting here like something bad's gonna happen here. <laughs> something bad's gonna happen. Like we're 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 literally just preparing for for something terrible to happen because it's just what happens to Sixers fans and just the Philadelphia sports in general this year, apparently. And right. years before. But, I mean, and then and then the, the commentator literally called it. Like, they were like, oh, look at Jason Tatum. He's going all the way in the back of the backcourt and he's going to run up and get ahead of steam and try to get a, a bucket. Right. What did Jason Tatum do? Ran exactly up and hit that. a dagger three-pointer. And it just it just felt like it was gonna happen. For a Sixers fan, it just feels like every time something bad's gonna happen to us, it's gonna happen. So and and man, I like as much as much as it's it pisses you off that it didn't count. What a hell of a shot by Embiid to try to tie that game. Oh, of course, of course, of course. I had I was that had that was definitely coming up. Um, yeah, I mean that was just a, I mean that that bruh. He literally, like, there, there wasn't really, like, a played, like, call or anything. It was just like, all right, and B was like, all right, let me just get the ball. Let me see. Let me see. I'm just going to chuck this sucker up. Right. And, and, and I – Go ahead. I – one of my – the thing – and, and uh, this, this brings back to what I was saying about Tatum is the superstar level. He was like – he went into the huddle and he was like, guys, that's the game. I got this. And and that's coming from a guy who's shooting, like not even fifty. He's shooting under fifty percent for the game. Like, if if you're a superstar, you, if you're a superstar, you gotta be the guy that takes that shot. And that's and and for years, uh, love or hate LeBron, for years that's when people were you know clowning LeBron because if you look when he was on the Cavs and even the Heat, but more so the Cavs. And he was in clutch moments. He passed the ball, and people would be like, "Bro, you're you're the guy. You got to take that shot, hit or miss. No one's blaming you if you take that shot. You're the guy." And that's the same with Tatum. Like Tatum, you're the guy. And for him to take that, there's no one else on the Celtics that's taking that shot. Maybe Brown, but like Tatum's that guy. And so for him to step up, take the shot, and then hit the shot, that's just he's a superstar. Yeah, yeah, and and for the for the Embiid thing, man, I was I I literally after J after JT hit the shot, I was like, all right, this is over. And then like I, I was still like looking at the TV screen, and I was like, all right, we don't even have a timeout. Like we'll we'll see what happens. And then Embiid chucks it up, and it goes in, and I don't even have a response. I don't even have a response in the time. Like, I have no <laughs> response at the time because I'm like, what the hell? Like I'm like, did that happen? You're like, what did, did I, I watch? Happen? But then I'm seeing all the crowd like jump up, and I'm like, "Holy shit, it happened! It happened!" And then I see Joel put his hands over his head and walk right out. I knew it was not gonna count, and I was like, "Okay, now I hate my life again." But nah, shout out to JT. I mean, I it, that actually gave me like, ugh, that felt disgusting to say. But <laughs> dude, dude's a dude's a. I mean, he's what like 24, 25. He's gonna be. He's gonna be one of the best. Hey, players. Tatum's Tatum's nineteen. I don't know if you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, could you imagine? Oh my god, if he was nineteen, he was this good. Ugh. 
<laughs> It'd be a headache. That's for the, that's I wish the, Embiid was nineteen. He's already, he's almost hitting thirty though. So right, right. But right. no, but it was a great game. It was something that I couldn't even be like too mad about because it, it just was, it just gives you hype for the playoffs. I mean, you're hoping that's the matchup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I'm more mad about the the Heat game, honestly. Mm. They, that came mm-hmm. after that game than that. Because I knew the set. We always know the Celtics are going to be great. And we always know the Sixers and Celtics, m- m- more than less, when they're good, are going to have great games. Sure. So, but with that being said, I mean, that's that's enough of Sixers and Celtics talk, right? Yeah. Let's get to some news that broke in the NBA a few days ago. Quinn Snyder is the new head coach of the Atlantic Hawks. You know, you know, we um... – we used to do this. Uh, we used to do this old, uh, this old segment called "Love It or Shove It." And right. uh, if you gave me that as a "Love It or Shove It," I say "Love It." I think that's a perfect pickup. Uh, Quinn Snyder, uh, for for whatever reason, they just didn't have what it took with the Jazz to get that rolling. They had Donovan Mitchell. They had the people. For whatever reason, it just didn't click. But Quinn Snyder. As much as it pains me as a North Carolina Tar Heel fan to to give props to a Duke player or a former Duke player, uh, Quinn Snyder is a great coach. And uh, I, I think he's a great coach for a young team. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is kind of a mid-age now. He's not young, but he's not old. He's got a lot of life left. Um, but but in the years that he was young, Quinn Snyder was a fantastic coach for him. And I think, uh, you know, obviously Trey Young's been in the league for a little bit now and he's not old, but he's not he, he, he's not a, uh, he, he's not he's not old, as I just said, like he's he's still younger. And I think the rest of that Hawks lineup is younger. Obviously, Capella's a little bit older, but, you know, you, you've got a young lineup and, and you've got an exciting lineup. And I think that that matches so well. The only other coach that I would have put on that list, and he was on the short list, which, again, I've mentioned this before, Kenny Atkinson, because he was such a great coach for the Brooklyn Nets a few years ago when they made the playoffs. Um, but, but I really like the Quinn Snyder pickup. I think that's a really good mix for them. And I think he's a really good coach for guards. I think um, what they had before – um, was not something that they they uh, that meshed well with Trey Young. I think Trey Young was very upset with the the front office for for he was like, hey, it's either me or this guy, and they were like, oh well, we don't want to lose you, so they went out and they got the the guy he wanted. So I think I think it's a great pickup. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think uh, I think Quinn Snyder was a great pickup by them. For, for for how long he was the Jazz coach, he's still, I mean, arguably young in coach years. So yeah. I, I think he'll fit in with a a youthful Hawks team that, that needs a dire coach because McMillan was not it. And obviously, no. if it seems like I've been hearing rumblings that if, if they don't turn this tide around, Trey Young's going to want out. Right. So, if uh, that's the to, case, to, to put into perspective, the average age of the Atlanta Hawks is 26. So they're all under 30. Like that's that's super young. Yeah, I mean you got the, you got a core of Trey Young, John Collins, Dejounte Murray. Like they're all like mid 20s. They're all and yeah. Trey's not Trey's not even mid 20s. So 
Right. They, they they need they needed to get somebody, and they I think they got their guy. Who knows if they turned around that well this this year? But I think for years to come, they're they're definitely hoping that this uh, coaching uh, this coaching hire will keep Trey Young at bay and want him to stay in Atlanta. Because if they lose Trey, I mean they're back in the gutter. Right. So. I mean, I, I like to pick up though. I think it's a good pickup. You touched on the Jazz years. Um, who knows what? Who knows what Donovan Mitchell is without a coach like Quinn Snyder? I think he got fired. Uh, just just because they wanted a, like a new look. You know what right. I mean? They got rid of both Gobert and and Mitchell, and they were like, okay, let's just get a new look, and we'll get rid of the coach too. So, yep. but I really like the hire. I really like the hire as well. Yeah. Um, before we get off. NBA. I just want a a little bit after midseason uh, thought uh, from you. An overrated team and an underrated team in each conference. Ooh. All right. Let me let me see here. Um. All right. So. I mean, like a higher team that you think is going to fall off. You know. What yeah. I mean? Yeah. 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 All right, so for uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go west west coast, um, man, man, I would love to say that the Nuggets are gonna make it to the finals and they're gonna just run through the Western Conference, but I really gotta say they're overrated. I mean, the Nuggets have had essentially the same lineup and the same coach for like the last five years. And it feels like it. and they they have not done anything. They make the the semifinals or the conference finals or the playoffs. Like they're they they remind me an awful lot of um, the the pre Joe Burrow uh, Bengals when they had uh, the Andy red Dalton. the red rocket Andy Dalton. Um, they would always do well in the regular season. There's always an MVP kind of guy on that team. That's actually a really good. That's a really good uh, elaboration there because even before with Carson Palmer. Yeah. No. Right. The, really the Bengals were always. Oh, the regular season. We are the champs. We own this division. We're kicking everybody's ass. Our defense is great. We have that one guy that goes out and does it. Um, but in the Adel playoffs, Jocinto for a yeah, lot of years. Exactly. Green, exactly. Um, I love that analogy. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna toot your horn one more time. That was a good one. I appreciate okay. it. Yeah, no, but the Nuggets, like year after year, they fall short. They they lose to they lose to you know whoever it is, Jazz, Blazers, the, the Warriors, whoever is in that West Coast. They just you know they make it great. Um, they make it great. Uh, um, great lineups. Uh, great, great, great matchups. They, they, they usually take it six, seven games, but they have not been able to make that step up to get to the finals. Um, and, and that's been the same problem with the Celtics bar last year. Last year they made the finals and they finally did what they needed to do. Sixers every year. So I yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I would say that my, my, um, my overrated uh, from the West is the 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 Nuggets. Um, uh, my underrated, my underrated, and this this is this is a shock only because they're they're the second in the West. But my underrated is the Grizzlies. 
I, I don't think that the Grizzlies get enough respect. I think people just say, oh, John Morant is fun to watch. Let's leave it at that. Uh, I think this team is a lot better than people give them credit for. They've really only been on the scene for the last year and a half. Uh, last year, they were legitimately good. Uh, the year before that, it was just John Morant. And the year before that, it was rumblings of a team that could do something in the future. Um, so this is really the first year that they've all been able to come together and all perform at a rate that makes John Morant not just the only player on the team but one of the good players on the team obviously John Morant is still the best player on that team but there are a lot more players on that team i.e. Jarrett Jackson um that are uh uh really really talented and and do what they do very well um and and I think even at number two in the Western Conference they are still underrated. I don't think people think they're big enough. I don't think people pl- think they play enough defense, um, but they do. And I think this is the Grizzlies year. I don't think uh, there's a, there's a team in the West that is enough coordinated and has played together the longest aside from the Nuggets, who again, I think are overrated uh, who can stop them. Obviously the Warriors could, uh, but they've dealt with health issues. The Suns, I don't think Chris Paul is in his prime anymore. Newsflash. I think he's old. Um, He's not playing that well. The Kings had a great season, but I don't think they're it. The Clippers still trying to figure out where they gel and you add Westbrook and you see what happens. The Mavericks play no defense. Uh, The Timberwolves are lucky to be in that eighth spot because also flash, not substance. And the Jazz at nine, you know, obviously that's a play-in game, but the Jazz are just a fun young team. So I think it's the Grizzlies. It's the Grizzlies conference to lose. Okay, okay. I don't know if you want to give your Western, and then I'll go to my East. That way we split. Yeah, yeah I'll go through mine quick. I'll go through mine quick here. Um, because I actually, actually, I, I'll elaborate on this a little bit because I always do anyway. But um, I'm gonna go with my overrated as the Mavericks because I think we both thought, at least at the time, that the Kyrie trade. I know your distaste for Kyrie. But, <laughs> I think as just a knowledgeable basketball fan, we both knew like that should be a really good move for the It Mavericks. should be, in theory. And and since since they've been together so far, that are one and five. And and I really think um I really think that's shocking, but I th- I think they might be able to get it together. But as of right now, I would go with them being overrated. They don't have a big man. They never invest in a solid big man that can just stay in the middle. It doesn't need to be a great big man, but can you get a big man that can just play some defense? Kind of like the the Tyson Chandler to Dirk Nowinski. You know what I mean? Get you a really solid big man who can play defense. Because you know damn sure Kyrie, Luka, Tim Hardaway, none of them are really playing defense. And and if you expect Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell to be your big men, you got a problem. Um... For my for my underrated, I mean, it's kind of weird to say it because they've been so good for so long. The Warriors, I'm gonna go with the Warriors because I think I think they'll eventually get Steph back and they're gonna find their groove. We're talking about the team that just beat a really good Celtics team last year in the finals. Um, I think the Suns are the team to beat in the conference, but I think the the Warriors are are underrated at this point and they're they're kind of falling off people's 
ledger at this point because Steph is not playing right now. Right. And I think if they can muster up either playing in the top tier of the playing tournament or get out of it, which I don't know if that's possible at this point, um, they they could go potentially on a big run. And that's weird saying that. That's my underrated. But I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on the defending champs right now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, so, so switching over to the East Coast – um, man, there's so many good teams in the East. It's really hard to pick yeah. a team. Um, I, I think for the sake of being obvious, um, overrated, I'm going to go Nets. Uh, they're at sixth right now. Um, if you didn't know anything about the sport, you'd think, all right, cool. They're in the playoffs, but they lost not one, not two, but three of their best players over the course of the last year and a half, i.e. Harden, i.e. Kyrie Irving, i.e. Kevin Durant. Um, and now they're kind of just uh, Ben Simmons. Now they're stuck with Benny Boy. Now it's just Ben Simmons with a bunch of role players. Um, do I think they can stay afloat for the rest of the season and make the playoffs? I think so. Uh, am I confident in that? No, which is why I say they're overrated. Um, because the two, the, the honestly, the three teams below them, are uh are better than them uh you look at the raptors the hawks and the heat all teams i think are better than the nets um and and even if you go even lower than that um i would say that the i would argue that a a a pacers a bulls and a wizards team that are firing on all cylinders are better than the current nets um so so they're they're overrated in their position um underrated uh i, I i'm going to go uh, the New York Knicks. I think the New York Knicks are extremely underrated. They're at five. Obviously, that's pretty apt for where they're at. But they really have had a second second half season um, comeback. I mean, they're 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 playing at a very high level. Um, you look at you look at their 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 roster. I mean, you've got. You've got Julius Randle going off. He's getting basically triple doubles every game. R.J. Barrett's playing really well. Jalen Brunson is playing out of his his freaking mind. Mm -hmm. For instance, today he had 39-6-5. He's going crazy. Um, Quickly is a very, very great young player. Um, And and they're just really good from top to bottom. And um, their organization is built, uh, you know, Tom Thibodeau, fantastic coach. But, uh, you know, I saw this the other day. the Knicks wanted to buy out Derrick Rose and Derrick Rose said, no, 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 I'm cool. I'll sit on the bench. Play me when you want to play me. If you don't, I'll take the check. And I think that speaks something to a, the culture and b the guys, um, you know, Derrick Rose still has gas in the tank. He could still be a really good role player for a competing team. And I think for him to not want to take a buyout and want to actually stay with the crew that he's rocking with speaks a lot to a, him as a person, but B, just the culture um, of the Knicks organization. And I think that's weird to say after having their culture been so bad for so long. I, he's a big fan of Tibbs, though. Well, no, I know, but 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 that's that speaks to the culture too. I mean, Tibbs, right. that is that Tibbs, Tibbs is that guy that brings these guys together and says, "Hey, this is what we're doing, and this is how it's going to go. And if you don't like that, you can take the highway." And I like that. I like that he's brought that in there. And the Knicks, you know, the last three, four years, however Tibbs has been there, I think he's been there three years, um, has 
have really made the Knicks flourish into a, a an organization where the fans can at least be excited for the new season. And, and so I'll go I'll go underrated on the Knicks because they've been playing really be- really good basketball at a high level. All right, and I will start with my overrated team, and I'm kind of using this as a as ho- I mean fire to hopefully my team will be better. But I think the Sixers right now are overrated. Okay. I think I think when it when push comes to shove, I think we're we get out coached on a daily basis. We've went over the Doc Rivers debacles. Um, we get out coached on a daily basis. It feels like Harden isn't aggressive enough when Embiid is not playing at a star level. It feels like Maxi doesn't perform as well with Embiid, but he plays great when Embiid's not on the court. And it feels like Tobias Harris wants to play when he wants to play. Um, so right now I'm feeling like at the three seed, I'm I'm scared to have to verse a, a Celtics or a Bucks in the second round. Uh, I mean, the first seed right now is going to be huge to get. And uh, I don't know. I'm just having flashbacks, and I feel like I see the same shit every year. Um and I, that's not to say, though, I think that the Sixers can get it around and we can still push for a conference finals, a finals appearance. But it just it just feels like being at three seed. I feel like I feel like we're just overrated at that at that point. And, and with the underrated, it's going to sound weird as hell, but it's it's more or less because of the media. But it's the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'll tell you why. The Milwaukee Bucks have won 15 straight games, and people are still talking about other teams. People aren't understanding how good this team has been all year with Chris Middleton not playing half the year. Right. Giannis being hurt pre-All-Star, and and, and, and them still – they went undefeated in the in the month of February, or the last part of February. They're, they've won 15 games in a row, and we're not even hearing about it. At least I'm not. And – They've overtaken the number one seed, and people are going to be like, "Well, wouldn't that be like that? This doesn't even make sense to be underrated." I, I, I just feel like the media and the national attention are not giving enough credit to this Bucks team right now. That looks to be if, if they can get completely healthy with Middleton and and Giannis, they, I think they're favorites in the East. I mean, obviously, you still got your Celtics and the overrated Sixers, apparently, right? Um, and you got the Cavs, and you got a lot of teams that can that can push. But I'm going with the I'm going with the Bucks. It sounds crazy, probably, but it okay. is what it is. Okay. Um, if you have nothing else to touch on in the NBA, we're gonna get to some offseason stuff with the NFL. I have I have one thing to touch on, and it's just brief. Um, obviously he's he's quote unquote injured, but I just I I would like to point out for anyone obviously I live in Cleveland right now so my 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 ears are filled with the most LeBron is the greatest of all time fans all the play all the time I I I just I don't understand how people can keep giving LeBron credit for his accolades when he just cares about stats I obviously he's kind of injured, but like if you're at the tip of getting to the playoffs and 
if you're healthy, your team legitimately could contend for the championship. Like I, I would argue at full strength, if you're telling me they will not get injured for the entire playoff run, I take LeBron James and Anthony Davis over any team in the West. I just do. That If you're telling me they're healthy and they're playing at their fullest potential, they are better than any team in the West. And that's that's just my opinion. Obviously, you know, you might have a different one. But I just think I think LeBron kind of being like, oh, I'm injured. I'm just going to, like, take the rest of the season off kind of. It, it's just I just don't like the vibe. And I think he's just he's just so complacent with being mediocre and letting the blame be put on other people. It, it's just depressing to me when he could be so much better. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it just feels like his, uh, his body's breaking down on him in, in the old age. Yeah. He's, he's Mr. He's Mr. Uh, Iron Man for almost his, basically his whole career, and now it seems like as the seasons are going on and, like, halfway through the year, he's just starting to break down a bit. I mean, is what it is. I mean, but I, I do agree. The I don't know if I'd have them as my favorites because I just think the Suns are really, really good right now. Um. Yeah, but yeah, no, I totally agree though. If if, if LeBron stays healthy, that that Lakers team is, is definitely at the top of my list for Western uh, Conference. Yeah, yeah, but that's all I have for the NBA. Okay, so let's get into some. The, we're obviously in the low period of the NFL. Obviously, we just got yeah. the Super Bowl, and I got my heart broken. But let's get into the. We'll start with quarterbacks this week. Okay. That could be on the move. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you around six or seven names, and I okay. want you to say if they're gonna stay with the team, if they're not, and where you think they'll go. Okay. Type things. Actually, Perfect. but I want to start out with Darren Rodgers thing. We've mm. talked about it before, but we can. Go, I want to quickly reassess what you think and where you think he'll play this year. He's not a free agent, but there's a lot of rumors about it. Yeah, yeah. So obviously it's not a free agent, but I think a buyout is imminent or a a, a trade is imminent. However they work it, uh, whatever they want to do, I don't think he wants to re-sign. Um, and and I, and I'll put it this way: basically, if somehow if somehow he stays there, uh, he's really just about the money, and he couldn't care less about winning. Um, if he really wants to win and and force his um, legacy to be looked at in a better light. He's going to try to force a trade or force a buyout or whatever the heck he does to get off this team. Uh, that's that's just the, the the preface for what I'm about to say. But the uh, the 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 top team I think that is the most alluring is is obviously Oakland. I mean, I mean they're not Oakland anymore, but Vegas, the Vegas Raiders. Right, 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 right. I, I hate the name. They're they're the Oakland Raiders. But but the, um. But it makes the obvious sense. It's a a re team up with Devontae Adams. It's a it's a team up with a team that is about to be extraordinarily healthy because they spent a season extraordinarily injured, <laughs> and uh, it's a team that has a really good defense. Um, it's a it's a team that might not have a great coach, but uh, but you know sometimes great players bring out the greatness in coaches and and I don't think uh, as much as I am a huge fan of Derek Carr I don't think he is good enough to bring out the greatness in Josh McDaniels cuz I don't think he's a great coach um but uh, but if if there's if there's an if there's anywhere in the NFL that Aaron Rodgers lies it is with the Las Vegas Raiders uh the other option is I guess the Jets 
Um, but I, I watched Colin Coward the other day, and he was talking about how there is an eye test that's kind of unspoken, where you can look at a player in a certain jersey and be like, ew, this is never happening. And he pulled up a picture of Aaron Rodgers in a Jets jersey, and he went, ew, this is never happening. And I agree. If you look at Aaron Rodgers in a Jets jersey, it just looks wrong. If you look at Aaron Rodgers in a Raiders jersey, it just looks right. So I'm going to go with the Raiders. And now, and I'm, not, I'm not really going to elaborate much. I'm just going to let you run through your quarterbacks. But I know Colin Coward is not a big Eagles fan, not really a big Philly guy at all. But I, 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 I actually am a big fan of Colin Coward. I'm not gonna lie. Out of, like, actual media – yeah, guys, I'm a big fan of him, but that 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 was me fanboying for a second because you brought up the name. But we're gonna now let's get to the free agent quarterbacks. Some okay. of some of them will be restricted, so some of them might get franchise tagged. So you could throw that in the in the pre uh, your uh, explanations as well. The first quarterback on the list is the dynamic former MVP Lamar Jackson. Man, um, I, I would love to say that Lamar re-signs for a buttload of money, um, but I, I don't think he does that without shopping himself to suitors. And I think the, the biggest, the biggest uh, name for, for Lamar Jackson would be the Jets. I think, uh, I, you know, I mentioned him for Rodgers, but I'm also going to mention him for Lamar. I think the Jets. I think the Jets could be in any quarterback talk. Ever, they could. Right they now. could. They could. But specifically for Lamar, the Jets have such a good run game. Uh, to add a quarterback who, when healthy, is one of the best mobile quarterbacks ever, uh, as far as speed, at least, if not other categories as well, um, is just stupid. If you have a run game where your quarterback who is one of the fastest quarterbacks in the league is not the best runner on your offense. It is insane. And, and I think that's something that the, the, the Ravens have been missing. They've had a few good running backs, but Lamar's been the running game. And I think if you went to the jets, Oh my gosh, they have a great defense. They've got a great coach. They got a great young team. I think Lamar would meld so well there. Um, I don't really see Lamar going anywhere but re-signing or going to the Jets. So if he doesn't re-sign, I think he's going to the Jets. If he re-signs, obviously he's back with Baltimore. I love that for the Jets. I think that that would be perfect for them. Yeah. To have such like a dynamic guy. And they, 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 they probably could create the cap space for that, for that to happen. Yeah. And they have the draft capital for that to happen. So I, I like that trade. I think that, I think that would be uh, awesome for the Jets. Um, number two is Geno Smith. You know, Smith. Um, I, I think for the sake of, for the, for the sake of the time, the player, the organization, I think it just makes it makes sense that Geno Smith would sign, sign back with the, the Seahawks. I think maybe for a small deal, maybe you're looking at like a, a three-year deal or a two-year deal. It's nothing, it's not going to be anything huge, but I, I think it just makes sense because if he goes anywhere else, I think he's a, if I think he's a bench quarterback. If he stays where he's at, I think he's a starting QB who might have to fight a rookie if they draft a good quarterback. Um, but I, I think it just makes sense for all parties involved if he resigns. I should I, let me just re- reinstate this. Geno Smith, the comeback player of the year. 
Oh yeah, I, I gave I gave Lamar Jackson a nice intro. I didn't. I kind of shit on Gino. So. Yeah. Like, let me just throw that out there. No, no, no. Um, but 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 even that being said, I think I think I think the situation was good for him. I think the team was good for him, and I think if he goes anywhere else, despite being comeback player. All right, and at number three, we have Noah's favorite non-giant, Derek Carr. <laughs> All right, uh, Derek Carr, no one talks about this, uh, but I really think Derek Carr would be an interesting with San Francisco. Uh, you look at the 49ers, uh, obviously they've got Brock Purdy, they've got uh, Trey Lance, and they've got uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, but all three of those guys are kind of just like, eh. I mean, obviously Brock Purdy played really well in his uh, season debut in the NFL, but he's also injured and won't probably come back for a couple weeks into the season. And I think um, if Tom Brady uh, stays as a stand-up comic and doesn't unretire again, um, uh, it'd be a good fit for Derek Carr. They've already got all the pieces. They just need a quarterback. And bada-boom, bada-bing, Derek Carr is your thing. Um, if if it's not San Francisco, obviously, again, the Jets, another great spot for Derek Carr. I think he fits really well. Um, and then another quarterback on the list uh, that I'm sure you'll bring up, uh, would be Daniel Jones. But if Daniel Jones doesn't re-sign with the Giants, uh, the Giants would also be a really good spot for Derek Carr, providing they can get him some weapons. I think another name just to throw out there um, is the Saints. I think the Saints are a fun one. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure, because they 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 don't have a quarterback either. Indy maybe as well. I think Derek uh, Carr has a bunch of tutors that were Indy, uh, Indy is really depending on if they get a coach that's worth a damn. Um, didn't they just, did they get a coach? I thought they got a coach. Did they sign someone? Who did they sign? Let me see. Let me see here. Um, let me see here. Head coach. Oh, uh, Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen. That's the fucking, uh, whoopsies. That's that word. First one of the show. You know what happens. Um, <laughs> the Eagles OC. Okay. Okay. So that's that's a good that's a good hire. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I would throw the Colts in there too. Yeah, and then I would throw the Colts. Then we'll, in there then we'll too. go with uh, Noah's now and for four right now quarterback Daniel Jones. <laughs> um. Uh, personally, I think Daniel Jones had a great season last year as a Giants fan. I'd like to see him come back, uh, but I really hope that they don't throw a bunch of money at him. I think that they will. Um, but Daniel Jones looked really good last year. And I think that he's a good, he's a good sign for the Giants as long as they can get him receivers. If they can't get him receivers, it's going to be another year where it's fun to watch, but we're not going to win. Um, I, I don't really see him signing anywhere else. I don't think anywhere else really needs him. I don't think he brings to uh, an organization what a team is looking for. I guess maybe maybe the Jets because they already have weapons, but I I don't see I don't see him going anywhere. What a reoccurring really name, the Jets. Do you think they need a quarterback, people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um but but yeah, I I just uh, I I think he resigns. I don't think there's I can't think of another team because I really just think he resigns. And at five we have the the porn star slayer <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> uh Jimmy Garoppolo underrated uh, for where he's at. Um, I think. 
I think uh, there's a sleeper um, in him re-signing with the New England Patriots. I think the Patriots are not very settled on the two young quarterbacks they have. I think Bill would much rather go out and get a guy he wanted in the first place to replace Brady. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, with their weapons and their talent and their coaching, would be a great fit for that system. Uh, so I think Jimmy Garoppolo would be great there. Um, if for some reason the Giants decided Daniel Dimes is not it, uh, I think Garoppolo would also fit with the Giants, again, providing if they get any weapons. Um, but I think I think he would fare better uh, than Daniel Jones just because uh, he, he, has, he has more uh, talent in the passing game, but also there's no weapons for Daniel Jones to pass to. So I don't know. But I would say, I would say Garoppolo, um, and then maybe just randomly uh, he would fit with the Saints just because Saints are looking for a guy and they've been very, uh, they've been very acceptable to picking kind of, you know, run of the mill quarterbacks that'll just play good and maybe make the playoffs. Yeah. And I actually think a, I think he's being used as a a good backup option for the Jets and the Raiders. Yeah, sure. I think both yeah, of those, both of those Raiders teams don't land Rodgers or who they want. I think that's their backup. Both option. of those teams, both of those teams, he would fit serviceably well. I think on the the Raiders, he would do fine, but the the. The, the, the division is too too good with Mahomes and with, you know, Russell Wilson, and I think he'll do better with Sean Payton. Um, but uh, I think, you know, you go to the Jets, you're better off. So that's also an option. Hey, if she's a juggernaut. Oh, it's so, it's so tough. And the last one on the list, we'll just throw him out there. Uh, Jacoby Brissett. Man. Back up from last year. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think um, – for the sake of for the sake of not knowing what the heck is going to be happening with Deshaun Watson, um, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be laughing or be surprised if the Browns tried to throw Brissett some money to keep him on retainer, uh, just because he did play really really well. Brissett was not the reason the Browns missed the playoffs last year. The defense and the special teams were abysmal. Um, I really think Brissett played really well. And he's a great backup for any team, um, and, and he might be a good starter on some teams. I, I think, I think if if push comes to shove, I think the Saints, the Saints would pair well with Brissett, just because, like I said, they're they're pretty good with you know settling for that guy that can play well, but not gonna be you know an MVP kind of guy. Um, but I think it would make more sense if uh, if the Browns just kept him on retainer in case there was some sort of legal issue with Deshaun. I think I think the last two are uh, just to throw out my little opinion here. I think Jimmy and Jacoby. I think they are both keen prospects to be a Raiders quarterback. Okay. And that that just being said, because if Aaron Rodgers falls through or whoever they they got their eye on falls through, they they both were under Tom Brady and in that McDaniel's offense in New England, so. Yeah, I just think that, that I mean I, you're not they're not gonna go with Stidham next year, right? So <laughs> I, I just feel like they could be uh, Vegas bound if they don't get their top uh, they don't get their top guy. Um, but if there's nothing else on the NFL, I would like to switch over to what's just looming around <sighs> the summer the summertime here. Yeah, 
Let's do it. First off, I just want to say we're 28 days away from Philly's opening day. Woo! I don't know yes, when you're when the Yankees personally opening day, but we're 28 days from Philly's opening day, and I cannot be more excited. And I actually want to just say, like, before we get to this, these new rules, because there's a lot of problems with this. Um, just, just tell me your outlook on your Yankees. Man, um, why are you so excited for this season? I, I'm so excited for this season because for the last, you know, five, six years, the Yankees have been good and they should be great and they should win all the championships and then they just kind of crash and burn. But this year, I think they've actually made some offseason moves that can get them to that that World Series. I mean, they signed Carlos Rodden which is huge. That dude is a problem on the mound. Um, they, they, they didn't re-sign uh, some of the talent that was not talented last year um, and, and caused some significant problems. They didn't offer extensions to players who were bad. Um, they've just kind of like, if you've got a, if you've got a, a contract, you're going to keep it. But if you don't play well and you you don't have a lot on your contract, you better play well this year because we're not upping you until you do. And I respect that. I also respect the fact that they've they've kept uh, Aaron Boone. Do I like him as a manager? Not really, but I also think uh, the, the Yankees' problems stem more from the GM side of things with uh, Brian Cashman than they do from the managerial side of things. And I, I think I, I'm really hoping that if the Yankees don't get it done this year, that Cashman is out the door because that man is has been a problem for the Yankees organization for a couple years now. Um, but I'm so excited because I just, I just, I feel like with the new rules, which we'll talk about here soon, the Yankees have a better advantage than most teams. And that's, and that's what's exciting to me. Yeah, yeah, no, the Yankees definitely, definitely got a good shot coming out of the, the AL. Got to look out for the Mastros and all those other teams. But the Phillies, man, I, I haven't been able to catch a spring training game because of the fact that they're on at one o'clock and I'm at work. Right. Um, but let me just tell you real quick. I've seen the highlights. I've seen Trey Turner hit, hit just, 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 just swing the bat. And it's a thing of beauty. <laughs> I cannot wait to watch Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, after all, start of course. Nick Castellanos, who's going to come back and have a really good season, I think. Kyle Schwarber, who was the NL home run champ last year. Um, Reese Hoskins, he's back. We, I just, I, Aaron Nola, Zach, we, I, I, I cannot stress it enough. I cannot wait for baseball season. And I cannot wait for the days to get warmer and to to get out to the ballpark and go watch a game as well. Um, yeah. And I, just to, uh, before I get off the Phillies here, are the number one right-handing pitching prospect in baseball is on the Phillies, and he uh, he went out there and threw in spring training today, uh, Andrew Painter, and he has such a bright future. And I really hope, really hope. We don't get in that World Series, you know, you know that World Series like run where you want to trade all your young guys to get established guys. I hope we don't do it. This kid's 19 years old. He is going to be a stud. Trade, trade McAble, keep Andrew Painter. That's going to be my hashtag. 
But <laughs> let's get to the, the real news of MLB. And it's these new rules. And yeah. I want to hear what you think about these uh, these things. I, I, I'm going to give my thing, but I, you go ahead. Let's yeah. see what you got. So, so, so obviously they've introduced a pitch clock and they've introduced a batter uh, clock. Um, and, and they're both in efforts to speed up the game. And uh, for what they are, it is working. You know, we're looking at, obviously these are spring training games, but we're looking at a difference of an hour to sometimes an hour and a half off of the runtime of a baseball game. Now, as a purist, which I am, I am someone who loves the sanctity and the purity of a sport. I don't, I'm not one for change. I'm not one for drastic rules and, you know, a, a bunch of replay and a bunch of AI decision making. But um, as much as baseball is my favorite sport and as much as I have played the game for nine years and I love it to pieces, the game is so long. From an outsider perspective, you would not want to sit down and watch a baseball game unless you were at the baseball game. And even then, you're like, all right, it's seventh inning. Can we go home now? This has been far too long. Um, and and uh, as an aggressive fan, obviously, you like that length. You like that it's long. You like you can you can drink, you know, you can drink some beer. You can have some food and the game is still going and you haven't missed anything. And you can you could even take a nap and wake up and the game is just as good as when you fell asleep. Like there are some beautiful things about the length of baseball. But but from a casual perspective and from a perspective of we need to get viewers this makes sense. It is cutting games from three and a half, four hours to like two hour and a half to two hour games, which is about the length of a basketball game or a football game. And so from that perspective, I like it. From another perspective, it is forcing teams to play a fast brand of baseball. I, I, uh, I, I refer to a tweet that my uncle sent me. There was a tweet that was sent out um, a couple days ago and it was it was comparing it was comparing a a, a pitcher a, a pitcher Landon Knack uh, through an entire half inning and then on the other side of the screen it was Pedro Baez taking the time to throw one pitch so it is speeding up the game so dramatically that one player, can pitch a half inning compared to another player pitching one pitch. Uh, so from that standpoint, I do I do like the upgrade because it is forcing players to play on a time. It is forcing players to be speedy and efficient. Um, and it is also upping the scores of games. I mean, you're looking, obviously, it's spring training, so we still got, you know, a bunch of time. But you're looking at 12-6-8-4-7-5-11-5-7-1-6-4-8-9, you know, 7-1. Where's a crazy one? Uh, I saw one early. 14-14 was a final the day from the Athletics and the Reds. <laughs> like, you're looking at crazy scoring games. And before you're looking at, oh, this was a great game, it was 1-1. Like, What? You don't want to watch a game that's 1-1. One, one. Baseball, it's not like hockey. Hockey is fast-paced. If it's 1-1, one, one, you're like, man, that was a great game. But baseball, if it's 1-1, one, one, you're like, oh, my gosh, can we finally – it's the 15th inning. Can someone score a dang run? 
Like I so 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 I'm very mixed on this because the purist in me is like we need to keep the the integrity of the time of the game, but the the uh, excitement in me is like, hey, you know what? I think this might this might make for some fun. All right, my turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, bro. My turn to shit on all these new rules. <laughs> Do it. Because I'm not only gonna I'm not only gonna talk on the 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 timing. I'm gonna talk on. The the shifts. Oh yeah, the shift too. That's a huge. I'm going to talk about the ghost runner still being played in extra innings, but let let's start with the timing. I, my my over under count on Bryce Harper getting thrown out of a game because he struck out because he's fixing his gloves too many times. It's probably like three games when he comes back. <laughs> but to get into this whole thing. I am an old soul at heart for baseball. I am, along as you are, as you said, I played many years, uh, even into even into my schooling for township. You know what I mean? I, I played a lot of baseball in my younger days, and I am the ultimate purist. If you, if you want to be the purist, I am the ultimate. I want everything to stay the same for baseball because – this timing thing has already ruined one spring training game. How many right. times is it gonna like how many times is it gonna ruin games in the regular season? And not just that, but the playoffs. You know in those dire moments, you know you need, when the batters because because there's also you can only throw one pickoff throw. You can only have one timeout and the bat. Like the 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 mindset of having to like step off the mound, having to step out of the batter's box for a second is being taken away. And that that's just, I, I am not for that at all. I, I totally sure. think it's totally because they want more viewership. Obviously they want games not to be four hours and they want to turn it into a two and a half hour sport, but yeah, you can't do it. You can't do it, man. I just, I just feel like this is so far gone from what baseball was and now what we're going to be getting into. Because we're going to get robot umps. We're going to lose all humanity in the sport at this point. And I would also like to say um, it's also it's also annoying because you're setting up with this kind of baseball. You're setting up teams, and obviously it bodes well for my team and for your team, but it's setting up teams that have a slugging percentage a high slugging percentage teams that hit home runs like crazy for success over teams like the Astros or like the Cleveland Guardians who are much more let's get base hits and play vintage baseball and those yeah. teams are not going to do as well in the current situation yeah yeah 100% but i just feel like you're taking away the the I don't, I don't I don't even know if it's the oldest sport in all of America or whatever it is, but I feel like you're just taking my pastime and you're just shoving like you're just telling telling real baseball fans to shove it at this point. Yeah, you're taking away. It feels just like everything that I grew up on, and you know what I mean. I mean that's every sport; it's always evolving. But I don't think anything's drastically evolved like this. No, I mean you're literally not allowed to play. In certain positions, and now I get to the shifts. You can't even shift. And actually, the, the shift is probably the one I will agree with the most. Mm-hmm. The shift is where, you, you know, you, you don't get the disadvantage of, like, a pool hitter. 
like a like a Bryce Harper, you're not going to be able to put your second baseman as your second uh, left fielder. Right. And Ryan, it's unfair. Life isn't fair. But Ryan Howard would have fucking eaten that eight in this day and age of baseball. You right. Could shift that man. He would have been getting hits all the time. But I digress. the The shift is probably the least of my concern of all this because I think the players just need to be athletic enough and be able to make the plays. Well, I've always been anti-shift to begin with. So, yeah, yeah I agree. I hate, <laughs> don't you hate – dude, I've seen four infielders on one side for a pull hitter. Yeah, and it's like, bro, come on. If you can't play – if you can't make the play with one guy, you just shouldn't – you just got to – it sucks. <laughs> and, and, but, but, the, but the antagonist of that would say, oh, well, the hitter's got to be able to hit opposite field, which I agree with. Yeah. But we can get that into another day because there's always that uh, climactic of uh, having uh, – the arc point, I forget what the, exactly the terminology for it is, but that the shift is the least of my concern. The ghost runner, I really hate, and that's also another ploy to get viewership and have the time go down because you know you have those 14 inning games, 15 inning games, and people are like, Holy shit, this is a right. long game, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I've been sitting on my TV for a while mm-hmm. when there wasn't the ghost runner, now they have the ghost runner, which. I do not like. I feel like the ghost runner also is not as important to me as this pitch clock. The pitch clock is really the one that I hate. Um, I feel like there has to be something implemented, like maybe like in the like seven through nine, there isn't a pitch clock. Mm. Mm. This is when I, I, you know it, and I know it. There's going to be a point in which we hit a point in a playoff game, an important ass game. And that pitch clock's gonna royally screw somebody. Well, of course. And I, I don't think I'm ready for it. You know what I mean? I think it. I'm ready for it to already happen in the regular season. But could you imagine a game seven in the World Series and getting it decided by a pitch clock? Oh, come on! There would be so much aggravation. It's like yeah. a pass interference call in the NFL. You can't. Yeah. Thanks for the. Thanks for the salt in the wound. Um, but, it was on purpose. I oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but I just feel like you can't do it, man. I don't know. There was. I know you. You probably loved seeing it, but there was a Red Sox. You, you've seen that the Red Sox game. They got yeah, decided. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because the the batter wasn't ready in time or something by like a millisecond, yep. and the umpire now gets his gonads off. Because he wants to say, oh, yeah, you were a millisecond late. You're out. Strike three. Like, come right. on, bro. Come on, bro. For real? <laughs> you got anything else that you want You want to get on your – you want to talk about the shift for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I've always been a, a, an anti-shift guy. I've always been like, man, like if these guys can't play defense, why would we be able to, like, shift? Because, you know, this guy's going to hit X, Y, Z. But, you know, obviously I understand the argument of like, oh, if these guys can shift, the hitters should just switch. But it's like there there are guys like as a as a hitter, you know, once you've ingrained in your mind, this is how I hit. It is really hard to switch up and learn how to completely hit a different way uh, and completely figure out how to hit differently. And that's obviously it's a skill that some guys can do because you see some guys, you know, they get injured or they need to switch it up because they're in a slump or whatever. And they come back and they're better than they were before and they've got new spots and new locations they can hit. But the average batter is not going to be able to switch up where they can hit on the field. And I think, you know, 
the cl- classic baseball, like I grew up watching baseball, late 90s, early 2000s, no one was shifting. The shift didn't really come about until Joe Madden uh, with the, you know, with what the, the various teams he played uh, or coached uh, d- introduced his shift. And then the shift was league wide. And and I, I was like, Erg, I hate this shift. Let everybody just play regular baseball. If you're a shortstop, play shortstop. If you can, that's part of the reason Derek Jeter's plays were so cool because he was making plays in where now someone would just be there for a ground ball. But he was going so far out of his way to get a ground ball to then jump up in the air and throw it without landing to the first base. And you're like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so I actually, like, actually just seen something today, though. Um, you remember how, like, the – I think it was the Raiders and uh, there's another team, but they used to play in a baseball field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Oakland A's, they Dude, played on the Raiders. Stadium. Those plays that Derek Jeter were making were 40-yard passes in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. It's stupid. So love or or hate Derek Jeter, the athleticism and the skill that dude had. He's playing no shift baseball, making plays that people in the shift have trouble making. And that's just like, that's cool. That's when defense shows up. And I think removing the shift for me is a cool thing because it does get back to the, all right, cool. Players actually got to play. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I I have a huge problem with this uh, clock, but you got anything else in there? No, the clock, the clock. I'm gonna hate at some point, and I'm gonna love at some point. It's it's gonna ruin games, man. Yeah, no, it's gonna it's gonna ruin the integrity of the sport. Uh, but I do I do think it'll make the sport interesting, whether you hate it or love it. Are you ready for everybody's second favorite segment in all of podcasts, sporting podcasts? I, I am. I'm ready. It, it, We're going it, it is the best. It is the best segment uh, that that is known to man. I think that's what people are saying. We're getting to some Jay's picks. Um, last week we went four and one. Actually, it was two weeks ago, technically. But we went four and one. I'm telling you guys, if you guys aren't getting on this train here, you guys are missing out. You guys are missing on hitting. Hitting the cha-ching button. You guys You're missing free I mean? money. It's free money. It's, it's free money. Because you know what? You don't have to do all five. You can just put one or two in there, sprinkle that in there, and you're making money. We've been very good the past few weeks. Oh, and yeah. this week we have what we talked about two weeks ago, the return of John Jones. Woo! So we're going to go through my UFC picks for the main card. We're going to start off with fight number one. And we're going with Penn State alum wrestler, the best wrestler in the whole nation for years, Bo Nickel. This kid is is so good, he's making his debut at minus 2,200. Jeez. He's that good. I have Bo Nickel absolutely dominating Jamie Pickett in the first fight. And in the second fight, I have Matrus Gamarat. He, um, he won his last fight, and now he is going into a – Main card on probably the biggest card of the year, obviously, so far. And he's going to beat Jalen Turner. He's a minus 245. There's going to be a reoccurring theme here because there's a lot of favorites on this card that I really like. Um, And in the third fight, I've got Shavkov. <laughs> These names are crazy, aren't they? Um, yeah, they are. Shavkat Rachmanov. He's a minus 590. 
these guys, there's just some guys on this card that are young prospects that are going to be superstars in the future. And I, I have him. Being I think it's Jeff super. Hill. It's super interesting that like in the mainstream sports, the names are super easy to pronounce. But you start getting into sports that not everyone watches. You're getting in names like bada 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 bada, and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> UFC because they are they are worldwide. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and for our co-main event for the flyweight title, it's Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. I'm going with the bullet. We're going with uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Minus 670. Like I said, lots of favorites I'm taking here because it's just, it's easy money right now. You want you want, you want money, you get easy money. Valentina Shevchenko, take her by whatever you want because she's going to absolutely destroy Alexa Grasso. Um, and in the main event, the return of John Jones. You have John Jones and Cyril Gahn. Fighting for the heavyweight strap. I got Cyril gone. I'm going with the upset here, boys. Ooh. I know, I know, I know. People are going to be like, "You're going against the goat. You're going against somebody that's been, has a lot of ring rust. You're going against somebody who's never fought in this weight class." Give me Cyril gone at plus one thirty. That is my upset of the week, and those are Jay's picks. I now, think I, I think for your money, I think for your money that that upset makes sense, anyways. Yeah, I mean he's got a lot of ring rust. He's never fought at the weight class. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's there's a, there's a lot of what ifs in this fight, but you're also going against per, the perennial goat of the sport. So. For sure, for sure. Thank you for your Jay's pick, sir. We shall see, right? But now, for everybody's favorite segment of any sports podcast, garbage and gold. Noah, Woo! run it off. Man, we had we had a really fun uh, sports week uh, here, uh, and I and I gotta say, uh, my my favorite my favorite moments, my gold from this week uh, is is very is very uh, uh, funny. I I saw a video. Um, uh, Giannis is on. I think he's on um, the Daily Show. And uh, Giannis, he's reading off a teleprompter, so Giannis didn't write this. Um, but but Giannis is basically talking to KD, and he's talking about you know basically how how he's basically flaming KD for joining all these super teams. And Giannis is just like, I've just been the same guy rocking on my team, and I've won a championship. Like, what are you doing? And I, it was just so funny to me because Giannis is just not that guy. He's not a bully. He's a fun guy. He likes yeah, to have he's a lot a of funny guy. He <laughs> has liked to have a lot of goofy moments. And it was just really funny for me to watch that. Especially I, I just love when any um, when any sports guys get on comedy shows, uh, shout out Travis Kelsey, who's hosting SNL this week. I think that's going to be really funny. Um, and then my 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 garbage for the week. Uh, we we touched on it. I really dislike the the timing clocks in the MLB. I think it's just I think it's so garbage. It's so obnoxious. I just it's just not not exciting and then for something that has nothing to do with sports and honorable mention the mandalorian is back this week for all you star wars fans Shout that's, out. that's super exciting uh episode one was awesome if you haven't seen it i will be watching that either that's uh, pretty just just an fyi for uh the the listeners 
it's late night here. We got the late night type talking titles tonight. Oh yeah, late night crew. Um, but no, I I cannot wait to watch that. And and Last of Us has been really good too. Just throw that out there. We're just throwing random TV shows. I'm gonna throw Last of Us out there. This has been a really good show as well. But let's get back to sports and let's get back to my garbage and gold. My garbage. I don't know if you've heard. John Morant allegedly beat up a 17-year-old kid during the summer and then pulled a gun on him. Whoa. Um, that is super garbage. I, I, that's why, but I'm saying allegedly because you don't know the whole story. Yeah. But from the outside looking in, that is very garbage. You don't you don't beat up on fucking some some young kid. I mean, he's seventeen, so I guess he's almost an adult. Because even because even if he even if he says something to you as an adult, you gotta have the as an adult, and not even just as an adult, but as the person you are. You know what I mean? You're John right. Morant. What are you doing? Right. What are if you it's, doing? If it's if it's self defense, it's a whole nother bucket. But if it's just you getting annoyed with someone, you you gotta chill. Yeah, and then allegedly pulling a gun on him. Like what, dude? You're about you're about to be a face of the league. That's right. garbage. That's my garbage. That is garbage. And then my gold. It's another off the court thing, but it was James Harden facetiming the Michigan State oh, kid who was yeah. shot. Um, 100%. if you guys haven't seen it, you guys could literally just look up James Harden uh, facetiming uh, uh, sh- uh, the shot victim or the shooting victim. Um, I, I mean. It wasn't that it wasn't onions. I thought it was onions for a second, but it brought a tear to my eye, man. Um, <laughs> James Harden, that, that was so cool for him to to reach out to this kid. He, he's he's basically a paraplegic now, and he he was on the he was he was literally like on his like now nah, I wouldn't say last breath, but he was in critical condition at the time. Um, and he he just made the kid's dream come true. Apparently, he's a big James Harden fan, and and James Harden called him up. He gave him his number too. Like his personal number, so I thought that was really, really cool, James Harden. Um, yeah, so, real stand up, and he wore a headband in honor of him. Yeah, so shout out James Harden. That shit was so cool to me. Um, but you know, this is another episode of Talking Titles. I think we're getting better every week, dude. Heck yeah, we're killing it. Can't wait for baseball. Can't wait for more content. It's gonna be great. Yeah, one hundred percent. As always, I'm Noah, and I'm Jason. And this, and this is talking titles. titles. Yes, sir. Peace Everyone out. stay safe this week. Stay safe. Yes, sir. Peace out.